Dr. Alan Leica here, and I'd like to welcome you to How to Live a Fantastic Life Show, where we will be discussing the important aspects of your life. We hope to inspire you to live the best life you can. Get out of your comfort zone and explore the awesome world around you. Break through your barriers. Take inspired action. Use the difficulties in your life to achieve the best version of you. Cedric Bertelli is the founder and director of the Emotional Health Institute, EHI, an organization that provides information and education about, med, about emotional resolution, or EMRES. Emotional Health Institute gives people struggling with stress, depression, anxiety, and many other negative emotions access to the best trained professionals who can guide them to resolve disruptive emotional patterns. EHI has taught thousands of adults how to resolve their emotional difficulties. In the San Francisco Bay Area alone, over 200 teachers were trained to use emotional resolution with children. Cedric began to study and research emotional resolution, EMRES, uh, process back in 2009 in his home country of France and has developed his understanding of emotional functioning and his craftsmanship of the EMRES uh, throughout the years. In addition to training mental health professionals, coaches, and educators on emotional resolution, Cedric also works with individuals individually, with clients individually. Cedric, welcome. Well, thank you, Alan. Thank you for having me. And thank you for the long intro. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I think we had to say that because there's so much in your past that we have to get that. Tell me, how did you get started with the Emotional Health Institute? Wow, it's, uh, it's, it's not my first job. My first job was working in restaurants and uh, hospitality business. I was working for the Ritz-Carlton Hotels here in, uh, in uh, San Francisco, California. And I started shifting career because, well, myself, uh, I was dealing with anxiety and, and depression and a lot of anger issues. And um, the fact to have tried a lot of things, such as psychotherapy and, and other modalities, and not finding peace uh, motivated me to find other avenues and to start to study myself ways to feel better, ways to pragmatically get over anxieties and anger and such things. So that's what I did in 2009. I quit my job uh, at the Ritz and I went to study in France, uh, emotional resolution, the, the human emotional functioning. Yes. Interesting, interesting. Well, you have to help others by first understanding yourself. And that's a very important part that, that is a huge key here is that you understood yourself. Now, what do you mean by emotional difficulties? And what do you mean by how, first of all, let's start with what is an emotion and how does it lead to difficulties? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so in a nutshell, I'm gonna talk about emotional difficulties and emotions are all the same, so to speak, the way they are, they are built up in us. But with emotional difficulties, we have a, a better idea, I would say, of how emotions are made. And there is a wonderful woman called Lisa Feldman Barrett who explained the work uh, wonderfully in her book, How Emotions Are Made. Um, for emotional difficulties, 
the way that an emotional difficulty is made, we understand today that it's a prediction. It's an obsolete prediction from the brain. We know today that at the origin of every single one of our emotional difficulty is a, the same kind of events. At the origin of every single one of our patterns is always a moment of very high stress. Now, what is a very high stress for us as adults is very different from what is a very high stress for a little baby, for example. So at the origin of every single one of our pattern is a moment of stress, which is too much for us to take in. Okay, okay, that's a very good place to start. So with that stress, what happens next? That's a perfect question. So with that stress, what's happening is if we're old enough, the cognitive shut down. And if we are tiny, well, the cognitive is not there so much. So information are gonna go inside of us. So when the stress is very high, there is a natural mechanism happening in the brain, a mechanism of dissociation that happens. And the cognitive that most of the time filter information shut down. Now the subconscious during this moment of very high stress is going to recall a lot of ailments. What we smell, what we see, what we hear, basically, everything that our five senses can perceive, but in a way that is not cognitively understandable, in the sense that the cognitive, what you and I are aware of, record things, manages things at about 2,000 bits of information per second. But the subconscious record things, manage things at a rate of 400 billion bits of information per second. So, when so there's the, a big disconnect there. Huge. In, uh, if, we, if we want to give it a scale, the cognitive is like a marble and the subconscious is like the Everest, the, the Mount Everest, literally. Okay. okay. So at the moment of those very high stress, the cognitive that usually filters information shut down, the subconscious records everything in a very different way. It doesn't, the, the subconscious do not record things in a, log, in a logical way. It records things by taking information, a smell, a silhouette, uh, a noise, etc., etc. Excellent. Now tell me, and I'm going to ask you to be short because I know you have so much information here. Yes, yeah, sorry, I apologize. We only have 15 or 20 minutes. Is how do these two things amalgamate, the conscious and unconscious? How do the two come together? And how does this help to us to understand our emotional health? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. The main job, one of the main jobs of the brain is to predict. One of the main jobs of the brain is to predict based, based on past experiences. You see that when you eat food, for example, when you eat an apple, before biting the apple, you know exactly the experience you're going to, to have. You already predict what's going to happen. We do that constantly. And that's the way the, the brain works. With an emotion, that's the same thing, you see. When the body finds itself later on, after the, the stress, in a situation when it recognizes one or several elements that was present during a trauma, it is going to predict what you are about to feel physically in your body. It's going to call back the sensations that were felt at the moment of the trauma, exactly like your body called back the sensations before you bite an apple. Now, when you feel those sensations, that's when you know you have an emotion. We call that interoception. In Interest. That's what Interest. it is. Okay, so how do we... Uh, the most important thing for our listeners, of course, is, okay, we have these experiences, we have these emotional experiences, we have the stress. How do we break the cycle and how do we heal? By doing nothing. 
And that's the key. That's the secret. Interesting. Do we just let it happen? Or are we programmed to do something about this? We, society, our parents, our teacher, programmed us to do something about it. When we have a prediction, when we feel anxiety, we have a whole bunch of mechanisms to don't feel it anymore. We think our way out of it. We try to control our breath. We try to control or create the anxiety. We always go into doing something. We always control. That means that every time that they control your anxiety or your stress or your anger, you're reinforcing the message to the brain that there is a danger. It must be a danger out there because you keep on controlling. So the prediction keeps on coming back for a lifetime. And that causes more stress and more anxiety and more stress and more anxiety. Absolutely. And there's something beautiful about humans is we create emotions out of emotions. So it's not only one fear for a human. One fear is going to create many ripples, guilt, shame, etc., resentment. Just like all the ripples on the ocean, when a stone is thrown into the water, it causes all these ripples. And I'm giving this as a, as a visual for people to understand it. Absolutely. That's correct. Absolutely correct. But as you said earlier, Alan, the body is able to stop all that. If we yes. just remain with a prediction without taking any action. What we have to do is stop throwing the stones into the ocean so that the ripples can dissipate by themselves. Mm -hmm. Correct. And it's not magical. It's all, in, it's all in the brain. We know today that it is possible to stop a prediction by showing the brain, showing the body, that when it braces itself for danger, because it's what happened when we have an emotion, we can label it depression, anxiety, or stress. It's just the body bracing itself for an upcoming danger. If we can just be there, just with the body, doing nothing, not trying to control, not trying to breathe, the prediction will stop. Interesting. Now, are there some ways to do this? Maybe meditation, maybe something that you just let it happen, some way that we can physically do this so our, our listeners have a guide? Yeah, absolutely. And it is not meditation. It is not a technique. It is what we do with MRS, basically. With MRS, what we do with emotional resolution, we are updating prediction. And to do it, it's simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. When one of our listeners or us, we feel an emotional difficulty, a stress, an anxiety, before doing anything, trying even to try to understand why we feel that way, which is irrelevant, if when we feel the emotion in us, the key is to stop, to close our eyes if we can, and to pay attention to our physical sensations in our body. So not only one, but two or three sensations at once. Those physical sensations, it is called interoception. It is what makes us realize that we feel an emotion. That's a prediction I was talking about earlier. So you feel an emotion, you close your eyes if you can, you pay attention to your physical response, to your physical sensations. At this point, then comes the difficult part. You've got to do nothing to ease it. You just remain connected with your body, with your physical sensations, without trying to ease it, without trying to relax it, or without trying to stop what's going on inside. Until the prediction is done. Until the body go back to a state of homeostasis by itself. That's all it takes. That's all it takes, but it's difficult because we as people need to do something all the time. My friend Jack Canfield talks about tapping. 
And when something like this happens, he says, if you tap, just a sensation on your body of tapping, it helps to break that cycle. Do you find that useful? Uh, uh, it helps to break the cycle because it helps to distract you from the prediction. So in, in my work, I will see that as a coping mechanism. Yes. The key, the key is to surrender. Are there other coping mechanisms and other keys to surrender? Because, you know, as a human beings, it's very difficult for us to surrender. Yeah, you name it. Take some deep breath, have a glass of water, have a glass of wine, smoke, smoke marijuana, watch Netflix series, I mean, you name it. Yes, something to distract you. And the tapping is a simple one, but all yeah. of these are more complicated and all of these do that. Now, of course, during this pandemic, there has been a lot of people that have felt this emotional override. In fact, 25% of children have said they've had suicidal ideation in the last year. 25% uh, of the adults have said They've increased substance abuse because of all this anxiety that's been going on. Is that, do you find that as well, Cedric? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the fact that we got stuck inside made us fierce, face our fears. There's nowhere to jump. There's nowhere to run anymore. The problem is we're not equipped, so to speak, to but do what I just explained. We feel the tension and we, we, we become... Uh, we become obsessed by the tension. We, 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 we don't know what to do with it. Well, it's almost like being in solitary confinement. You know, we have other means such as the internet, means of communication like Zoom and so on, but it's still a form of solitary confinement. Absolutely. And that brings out a lot of fear. And then there is the, that's, that's for, the, for the introvert as well, but a lot for the extrovert. Now we're facing another kind of fear, which is the introvert, so to speak, who loved being inside and not interacting, now those people start to be anxious about having to come out again and having to go back to a quote-unquote normal life. That creates anxiety as well for some of us. Yes. Well, I see where you're coming from. Well, Cedric, this has been fascinating. This has been so much. And I know we've just tipped, touched the tip of the iceberg here and all your thinking and everything else. So I'm going to ask you, how can people get in touch with you if they so desire? Uh, the best is to go to emotionalresolution.org. And they will find a lot of information about the work, about what we do, and the explanation behind it. Well, thank you, Cedric. You are truly a fount of wisdom. And I think you've touched on something here that a lot of people need in this day and age. I think you've truly found something that so many people need and want in this day and age. It's just that they don't know where to find it. And it's available to everybody at any time. It's, okay. it's, it's in us. It's wired in us. Well, thank you, my friend. Thank you. I thank you to the bottom of my heart for being here today. And thank you for your wisdom. We'll have to touch bases again. I'd love to. Thank you, Alan. Thank you very much. Have a fantastic day. Bye-bye. I'm Dr. Alan Laika. Make sure you go to drallenlaika.com. That's D-R-A-L-L-E-N. Laika, L-Y-C-K-A.com. And get a free copy of my book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life. And subscribe to our podcast on this page so you won't miss a single episode. Every week we have exciting guests to help you have the best life you can.